listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. Happy Saturday morning, Oklahoma City. This is The Soccer Show here on 1077 The Franchise, brought to you as always by our great friends at Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. OKCFC tickets on sale. Schedule out. Head over there. That's where Todd and I are going to be hanging out a lot this summer. Open tryouts coming soon yeah. as well. So all the information at OklahomaCityFC.com. That's Todd Lisby. I'm Ryan Chapman. We got Matt Goldbranson, Maddie Goldfish on the other Can side. Can we crank the music just for a second and jam out? Oh, yeah. That's the a little world stuff. in motion. That's the good stuff right there. Matty Goldfish, this is always a tough hour for him. Not because of anything other than he's got to finger that goal button real good. He's got to be on top of it. He's got to be ready to rock and roll because we have a really fun, interesting slate of fixtures going on right now. I already have two of them loaded up in the carts, man. Goals oh, flying yeah. in already. Thanks, No thanks to Aston Villa and Nottingham Forest. I know. Uh, they're, they're the only losers right now that don't have a goal on the board. Uh, we're about to come out of halftime of a bunch of these games. Yep. Wolves are up 1-0 on Chelsea at Molyneux off an absolute rocket off the foot of Nunez. Villain Forest are goalless, like we said. Brentford are up 1-0 on Newcastle. That could be a lot worse for Newcastle. Brentford have had a goal disallowed for VAR. They've had an Ivan Tony pin that he tried to be cheeky and, and just guide that baby straight down the middle. To no avail. So probably he, had money on it. Yeah, probably did. <laughs> probably he, uh, Ivan Tony definitely had the under. Um, so that could be 3 0 to Brentford, but it's just 1 0. That's obviously huge for top four. West Ham are up 1 0 on Fulham off an own goal. That's a big That's a big one for the relegation battle for West Ham. Yeah, speaking of the relegation battle, Bournemouth are up on Leicester 1 0. And then Tottenham. Bad and, for Leicester. Yeah, Tottenham and Brighton 1 1 at the half. I believe Brighton also had a goal. Disallowed yep. for VAR, so that one could have been two one if everyone was correct. I Sun Young Min becoming the first Asian born player to score a hundred Premier League goals with his goal to open it up today. Another just really great goal, hit. Too. Yeah. absolute hit. Yeah, there have been a couple of really good goals scored in this nine o'clock window, and we've already got one match in the books today as well. Yes, we do, we do for sure. And so uh, for me, the I I just got a quick look at both those VAR decisions. I don't think there's a bunch of controversy. I think they were probably right. So controversy. That's the good news. That's the good news. And then earlier today, Manchester United a dominant two 0 win over Everton. Uh, we got to see a little Martial action. And for me, that one was just, little razzle dazzle. Yeah. It was it was actually it was pretty comprehensive. Yeah, that that one was a huge just result for United because we talked about them and we we had mentioned them a little bit in the midweek. If you missed it, Todd and I's midweek shows are back. Stoppage time is back. The whole focus of the midweek was the fact that on Sunday, Brendan Rodgers got the sack and Graham Potter got the sack. So we have our recap of Leicester's situation. Chelsea situation, which has changed since then because the club just loves the drama. They, they live on it. But that was huge for Man United this morning, Todd. Uh, not just as far as building a little bit of a point buffer between United and Spurs, who currently sit in sixth on in the table. Sixth. 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 Uh, but a United team that, that since that Newcastle uh, vic- the victory over Newcastle in the Carabao Cup, 
They had been pretty meh. Then you have the defeat to Newcastle, which was pretty comprehensive. Yeah, it was really bad. And, and, yeah, and they so, got their ass beat last week by Newcastle. Yeah, so f- if anything else, it was a just take a step back. You battered a team that wanted to sit in a low block that, that is relegation fodder. And I think that'll be a nice little lift for United as they head into the last nine games here in this Premier League season. Yeah, I mean, I think for United, there was that little tiny glimmer of hope after they beat City earlier this season uh, with the controversial goal where Rashford was offside and kind of blocked off the defender. And then I think it was Bruno Fernandez that came in and scored it. Um, they beat City and they were they were a point behind City. And City, I think, were two points behind Arsenal. And it was hey, we should include Man United in the title talk. And that went away real quick. They got the trophy, so I think the fans were happy to end the trophy drought with the Carabao Cup win over Newcastle. And then it kind of felt like, you know, as the attention went away from Man United, it felt like a little bit the intensity went away from Man United. And we saw a couple of really questionable uh, decisions by Casemiro that cost him a couple matches with bands and, They've just been very inconsistent, and I think kind of the lowest low was reached last week against Newcastle. And, you know, you look up now, and they're in a legit top-four race, and they've got to get their uh, get their S figured out, man. And today, I think, was a good step in the right direction. They're better than Everton. They did what they should do against Everton, but sometimes uh, the great St. Francis of Assisi once said, start by doing what's necessary, and they did what's necessary today. Now we'll see if they can do what's possible, and then maybe suddenly they'll find themselves doing the impossible. Yeah, it's been, first off, beautiful every time we're able to, you much. Uh, to, to bring that to the table. But it's just been a really weird year for United. For me, they started off with the Ronaldo drama, right? And the club, it looked God, like... God, that seems like forever I know, ago, right? doesn't it? I know, because that was... That That's was, pre-World Cup, that wasn't was it? That was the last thing headed into the World yeah. Cup, was that Piers Morgan, that rat, uh, came out of his little hole to... to basically nuke united that that was the only reason that he came out uh and so you had that then we have the period where the club it feels like finally the board stepped up and said we're going to back the manager and try to instill some sort of power structure at the club that does not revolve around cristiano ronaldo or just whatever the star of the dressing room is it just happened to be cristiano ronaldo once that gets solved, it was, oh, my gosh, coming out of the World Cup break, Arsenal and United, if you looked at the form table, like th- those two are the ones at the top, culminating in that Carabao Cup. And then from there, it- it's just been, you mentioned it, like Casemiro in and out of the lineup with some red cards. It- it's felt just that they they were in sync, harmony for about a month and a half, and then it's just been pretty wobbly, which if, yeah. if on the whole... Still better than where they were before the World Cup. 100%. But if, if it were like, hey, instead of two, a, mu- two you, months of just excellent form and then one month of just uneven, if you had sprinkled those in there, I think the conversation would be a lot different about Manchester United right now. It would be, look what Tin Hag's building. Look at right. where they are. And they're on track to maybe if they can have a couple of smart moves in the summer. So maybe next year take that step of, can they at least hang around in the title fight, not be favorites to win it, or, or maybe even legitimately be in the title fight, but can they hang around? And then another year on, now they're there. It, that's where we were coming out of the World Cup. It, it just feels like if if a little of these inconsistent results have been sprinkled into that, everyone would feel a lot better instead of having all the good at once and then all the bad at once coming off the Carabao Cup. It's that 30,000-foot view that, like, I've had this, we've had this discussion, I'm sure you and Chisholm had as, have as well, about the Thunder. Like, if you really talk about it, the Thunder have had a great season. It's been a great uh, 
it's been a great build from what we expected. And what's happened now is the Thunder have played so well that over the last couple weeks, the expectations have gone way higher than anyone ever thought they would have been. And if they don't meet those, some fans feel disappointed. When if you really take a step back and look at it as a whole, it's it's a hell of a season for the Thunder. And the same for Man United. Like I, I, I know that there's always, you know, Eddie and I had this, or Dylan and I had this discussion yesterday. There's always that middle ground between it it could be way worse and it should be way better. And I think Man United right now, obviously it could be way worse. Uh, should it be better? Yeah, it should be better than it was the last couple of weeks. But all things considered, like it's from the beginning of the season to now, like you're talking about a team who looked like they were going to be, no offense, in a spot like where Chelsea's at right now yeah. in this part of the season. And instead, they're, they are legit candidates for uh, European football as Chelsea nearly have a goal there. Uh, uh, that was going into Kai Havertz, Todd. That oh, okay, was, never that mind. Was not nearly. I a can't. Goal. I can't tell who's who. You're better at that than me. That was not nearly a goal. Also, we do have a goal though. Goal! Goal! Aston Villa have scored against Nottingham Forest. One nil to the villains. Congratulations to that game, by the way. A little Bertrand Traore action for nice. proper Chelsea. Very nice. Um, Thank you. Now, that means that in this uh, window, every match has a goal. And that's all you can really right. ask for, right? That's all you can really ask for. And a couple for. of them have two really good goals. Too. Yes. It, it's, it's not, there's not just crap goals going in. Uh, the, the beautiful goals are flying as Wolves and as Spurs. No. But, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see what Manchester United do headed into this offseason. Um, it, it feels like... It feels like if they can build on this, especially with that kind of uh, midweek result that they had looking back on Wednesday, which was just a cagey one 0 win over Brentford, but that was the like the quintessential like just get the job done. It doesn't have to be pretty. Get yourselves into the top four. Well, that was a little Champions bridge from League. playing terrible last yeah. weekend to playing well this weekend. That was kind of the ramp up. Yeah, for exactly sure. Exactly what they needed. So taking a quick look back, we didn't. Totally recap everything that went down last weekend on our midweek show because, again, we were so wrapped up in the manager sackings. Uh, the big results, in case you missed it, first off, Aston Villa, the 2-0 win over Chelsea. Why does that matter? Because that was the last draw for Graham Potter. So right. That's why that one mattered. Uh, also, I think I think we had talked about this. I think Villa are like third in the calendar year 2023 yeah. form table, Yeah, which is amazing what Unai Emery's done well, there. Well, Unai Emery is... I think he's cost two or three guys a job because, uh, yes, this has been a, a season unlike any other with the World Cup break and all that stuff, but he's come in and just been like, yeah, I came in after the World Cup break, and it's been excellent. And mm -hmm. there are a lot of people going, okay, if you can do that with this squad, why can't Graham Potter with 8,000 first-team players, why, why can't he at least find goals to be scored, not even wins? So that one was interesting. Uh, Liverpool. Went up 1-0 on Manchester City, and that was the worst thing Liverpool could have done because right. it appeared to have only angered the beast. I thought that was as well as City have played maybe all year. Yeah. It, last it, weekend against Liverpool. It was... You're welcome. Fluid. <laughs> hey, we need Liverpool to rebound tomorrow because I think the title race could be over tomorrow. Yeah, it was uh, It was fluid. It was lethal. And uh, we, we've kind of talked about this off-air, but this is really important for City because by... As a weird result of how successful they've been in the FA Cup, 
and the Champions League, if Manchester City advance past Thomas Tuchel's Bayern Munich side, then the fixture congestion, things will be rearranged where City are going to have to continue to postpone Premier League games, meaning that they could at one point have three games in hand on Arsenal, right. which means when you look up at the table and you look at the points and all that, there is no pressure on Arsenal. and They'll be all, like 11 points up, yeah, possibly. And all the pressure on City to have a 100% record and as well as beating Arsenal at the Etihad. Uh, I think that that was really, really important that City go out there and drum Liverpool just so that they can say, look, we may not be able to apply pressure on Arsenal as far as the table goes, but hey, watch this. We're out here floating around scoring four goals just for fun against Liverpool, just just for the mental side of this title fight. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that was exactly what the doctor ordered for City. They were able to, to rest Erling Holland. He's able to get healthy as they kind of head towards, you know, Obviously, huge uh, Champions League matches coming up. Hey, we have another goal, by the way. Goal! Newcastle have goal! leveled against Brentford. Take your chances, Brentford. Newcastle have leveled in the 55th minute, so 1-1. Uh, Brentford and Newcastle, that one in minute 55 right now. Uh, no, it, it, was, it was huge, and, and listen... I do really think, and I'm dead serious, I, I think tomorrow could end the title race. If Arsenal go get three points at Liverpool tomorrow, I just don't see where the drop points are at in Arsenal's remaining schedule. Um, if Arsenal don't get three points at Liverpool tomorrow, in fact, if Arsenal get zero points tomorrow, I think it's title race on. Because then you look up and Man City will be down, you know, assuming City beat Southampton today. City will be down five points with the game in hand, and one of those games is going to be against Arsenal, right? So it's I, I think that title race is on with a loss. I think title race is over with a win for Arsenal tomorrow. It's a huge match for them going to Anfield, and it's interesting to me because like Liverpool are kind of in that spot where I don't know really what they have to play for. It's such an outside chance that they make any sort of European spot for next year. Yeah, for for right now, what Liverpool is looking for is, A, guys like Cody Gakpo, things like that, trying to just really fully entrench themselves as, okay, now there's some confidence it wearing a Liverpool shirt heading into the summer where you're going to have preseason, things like that. Um, like Bobby Firmino is looking for a just a couple of nice performances on the way out the door. I think that's more about get your mojo back a little bit. Not right. that you're going to win anything or qualify for anything, but you would just feel better if, if you win four of your last five going into the off season, going into your summer. That way you can you can, you sure. can just cause it becomes a lot different if when you're looking back on it, you can go, yeah, we were incredibly injured to start the year and we just never were able to get into any rhythm, but we finally got up and running a little bit toward the end of the season and you can try and build off that momentum a little bit as opposed to going into the summer and feeling like oh there's a lot of there's a lot of squad rebuild that needs to happen on top of the thing floating around in the background for Liverpool which has been the the club is 
in flux because Fenway Sports Group is trying to mm-hmm. decide if they're going to unload it or not, and that's put a little extra pressure on Jurgen Klopp as kind of their recruitment team has turned over. I thought it was funny, by the way, right now, Jao Gomez for Wolves just got a yellow card for a heavy foul on Jao Felix. A little Jao on Jao. A little Jao on Jao crime. It's also <laughs> Club per- Portugal versus <laughs> that's right. uh, Portugal International. Not great. Uh, uh, no, what, what I was going to say, though, just real quickly, you know, we, we Like you said, we had talked about this. Right now, the lead is eight points. Arsenal, eight points with a game in hand. So theoretically, if City win that game in hand, the lead is five points. Right? So theoretically, if City win this week and Arsenal lose, the lead is two points. If Arsenal lose tomorrow and City win today, theoretically, City control their own destiny. They yeah. can win out and win the Premier League, which... The last time we've been able to say that was probably back in like November. Right. Or maybe even before that, October, like early in the season was the last time we could have said that. So um it's 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 paramount that Liverpool take points from Arsenal if City are gonna be in the title race. And I don't know to be totally honest with you, Ryan, I don't know how I feel about City even going all in for the title race. Well, I was about to say... Because the Champions League is such a big carrot out there that's been yeah. dangling for them, and I still think they have a really good chance to get their cup, to get their trophy in the FA Cup, uh, you know, with Sheffield United in the semis and then the winner of Brighton and Man United on the other side. So I still think they're favorites, heavy favorites to win that. It's I don't think it's going to be a trophyless season, but, you know... I think uh, I think tomorrow's huge for the title race, and obviously City have to take care of business today first against Southampton. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We have and, another goal, and that's been one second. We do have another goal. It, the goal machine doesn't wait on anyone. It does not wait on anyone. Brighton have nosed in front of Tottenham Hotspur. One Daniel Welbeck. Remember him? Danny Wells. He touch, hits it with his left foot. Uh, it looked like. was very centrally located. It looked like maybe it, it took like a it took deflection. It took a deflection off of who? Oop, nope. I, I thought it took a deflection off the defender. Just he, bad goalkeeping? No, no, no. It took Maurice? a deflection off of another Brighton player on the way in. Oh, yeah, we I may, see it. We may need a little VAR. because I think have, it took a double deflection, though. May have come off an arm. May have come off an arm. We shall see. I think it would be pretty Ooh. cruel to rule it out, but we are under a VAR review. So, uh, like you said, huge, huge stakes in the title fight. That's kind of what's been the, the question, right, is that Manchester City fighting on three fronts after Arsenal crashed out of the Europa League, it was a quick... Okay, we need to see these next couple of matches to see if there's some hangover from that. If not, which there hasn't been any hangover, Arsenal have responded incredibly. Um, It's become, okay, Arsenal only have to focus on the league all the way in. And frankly, like you said, the league probably means more to Arsenal. So it'll be really interesting. Sure, That goal was just ruled out by VAR. So we're back to 1-1. Real quick, just the scores right now in the Premier League. Aston Villa 1, Nottingham Forest 0. Brentford and Newcastle at 1-1. Fulham nil, West Ham United 1. Leicester nil, Bournemouth 1. And Tottenham 1, Brighton and Hove Albion 1. Those are the matches. Oh, and by the way, also uh, Wolves 1, Chelsea nil. I forgot about that one. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, Those matches are all right about, you know, just over an hour in. So about two-thirds of the way through. Um, We will, uh, we do need to talk at some point in the show today. I know we'd mentioned on the midweek. There was a little drama in France with Leo Messi. Yes, we, we've got drama in France. We've got 
the Chelsea saga that presses on, I was kind of stunned by some of the backlash this week and the decision the club has made, so we'll touch on that real quick. Maybe I'm just the idiot. Totally open to that. That's often the case. As well as another rumor surrounding our friend Jesse Marsh and where his next stop may be the American manager who started the year at Leeds. We'll talk about all that and more on the other side, as well as obviously keeping you up to date. We got another goal. And I'll tell you what, we'll tell you who scored it on the other side of the break. This is the Soccer Show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. Stay tuned. More chaos next. The Soccer Show is on Twitter. Give us a follow at Soccer Show 1077. This is the Soccer Show here on 1077 The Franchise, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. Ryan Chapman alongside Todd Lizabee, alongside Maddie Goldfish. Before we get into the fun stuff, we did have a goal that fired. We did. Before the break, Todd, do you got that? Yeah, Izak for Newcastle, making it 2-1 for Tyneside over Brentford. Brentford led this one on the Ivan Tony penalty in the first half. He also had a miss pin. And they, uh, and they, they had, had a goal, goal disallowed. It could have been 3-0 Brentford at halftime. Instead, it's now Brentford 1, Newcastle 2 in the 66 minute on the Alexander Izak goal. So that was our excitement going into the break. <laughs> During the break, it all happened. The break, double red card! A double red card. We love a double red card, and we love it even more when it's not even the players. Exactly. Both managers, Deserbery of Brighton, Stellini of Tottenham, they go... There was a fracas in the technical area. So if you missed it, at Soccer Show 1077 on Twitter, we've tweeted the video. Before the match, these two had some words for each other. Deserbery looked to be very We've got another goal. Where's that coming from? Newcastle are pouring it on. Callum Wilson makes it 3-1 for Newcastle. Holy cow. What? That match has turned around pretty quickly. What a turn of events. And that'll be huge because obviously coming into the day, Manchester United, Newcastle United, if they both win and Spurs, who are currently level 1-1 with Brighton in that match where both managers are gone, if Spurs can't get a result here, they'll fall behind in the top four race just a little bit more. Uh, so that is huge for both Newcastle and Tottenham. Uh, as well as, I guess, Brighton. Brighton's technically hanging around right there right. around the top four. Uh, though Brighton... Uh, <laughs> By the way, Deservey, Stellini, both Italian. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, like, there's some bad blood there from something, and no one's really sure what it is. Yeah, so if you missed it before the match, those two were like arguing. Deservey was very aggressively pointing at Stellini. Stellini did a very good job of making it look like he was just puzzled and confused with what was happening. Uh, right after that VAR review that we talked about at the end of the last segment... Where Brighton had a goal, Danny Welbeck, it was called back for a handball on the deflection. The managers got into it. There was uh, every, the benches cleared essentially. If this were baseball, the benches would have cleared to to keep the two managers apart. Both got sent off. It was really funny though that like uh, Deserry was like yelling across the 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 fray across all of the bodies, and Stellini was just kind of like standing with his arms crossed. Like and he got sent off looking. too. He got sent off too, and he was like. What do you mean? And then afterward, he kind of like turned around and was like, yeah, I probably was there. That's what it looked like. That's what Goldfish, looked like. do you know how to run that uh, instant replay machine over there to your left? 
Yes. Okay, uh, can you hit the loser horn, please? Uh, handball in the box. The Callum Wilson goal has been disallowed. It is still 2-1 to Newcastle. There's still time for Tony to live bet Brighton. <laughs> or, well, Brighton and Brentford. Tony, Tony was like, I lost on the under. No, wait. No, there's wait, still a chance. Wait. There's still it's a alive. chance. It's alive. It's uh, alive. Everything's kicking off. Lots. Of, this is really a good, as, as far as I can remember, aside from what was it, the one match we had? Well, was it, was, it, it Brentford was the, and it Brighton? Was, no, it was Bournemouth and Arsenal. That, Bournemouth and Arsenal was great. That's right, when I was home with COVID. Yes, yes that, that was. Yeah, that was probably the best match as far as just on-air reactions. But this is probably the best group of matches we've had so far. Yeah, I really enjoy when we're on air in the second half because there will be a little bit of closure here by the time the show wraps up as these games are rolling into about the 70th minute. All right, let's take a quick detour. Let's hop on a plane and head to Paris before we return back to the United Kingdom. There was some drama. There is drama concerning Paris Saint-Germain and Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe. Mbappe drama has been added to this. Let's start with Messi. Last weekend, the fans gathered at Parc des Princes for PSG, booed Messi when he was announced in the lineups ahead of the match, and they were whistling at him as he had headed to take some corners, things like that. This comes as tensions are building. Messi is out of contract at the end of this season. Heading into the World Cup break, it sounded like PSG were pretty confident he was going to extend. And since then, we've heard a bunch of different rumors. First off, Inter-Miami of the MLS have been floating around for a long time it that one's been around like, for about three years yeah, now, yeah, that, off and that, on. What, since Beckham, David Beckham announced that the club was happening and, and when they were going to start up, Leo Messi has always been the target of them. The MLS, Don Gerber, the, the commissioner, has essentially said that MLS will work with Inter-Miami to make that thing happen. If Messi In other words, they'll interest. change the rules if it yeah, is better for MLS. Which is absolutely wild because Inter-Miami... Broke the rules last year as far as uh, salary and, and all that stuff. But like what, brazenly broke the rules, correct. too. Like, hey, we broke the rules. Do something. They, we dare you. They were just like, we have a fourth DP. Fight us. It's like they were playing by NAI rules. Yeah, while it, everyone it, else is playing by NCAA it was incredible. rules. <laughs> I think what the, what the offshoot of that will be is after David Beckham came over, the MLS frowns upon offering actual equity of the club as part of the contract, things like that. They're going to make that concession for Leo Messi. So that's one option for Messi. Uh, Saudi Arabia has emerged. Uh, not the club that Ronaldo is playing at, another club, and they are willing to pay him double what Ronaldo is making, <laughs> which is just... got to make Ronaldo feel and, like and, such a little man syndrome. And that number is like double on... It's not like, hey, we offered you 300 million pounds. It just happens to be... No, it, it was like literally double. So that's incredible. And Which then, club was it? Do you remember? Uh, I don't. I'm, okay. Uh, I don't. Um, I, I just know it's not... Ronaldo's at... Al Nasser. Al Nasser. Yeah. I think it was Al Halal, maybe. I think it was Al Halal. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. And, and so um, that's one of the offers. And then Barcelona. Uh, we've seen a couple of displays from the fans. At he'd Barcelona. be great there. I think he'd fit in great at Barcelona. Yeah, I, I think that a good culture fit. <laughs> yeah. Kind of fits how they'd like to play. Yeah. I think the fans would probably they'd probably you know they'd probably latch onto him pretty quickly at Barcelona. They would. They would indeed. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Messi watch is alive and well because it really did feel like we were headed toward. Um, wasn't going to be PSG. He was going to hop over to Inter-Miami. Just interesting because he's got so many different routes. If he wants to stay in Europe, going to play at Barcelona, or 
signing at PSG back on, but that seems pretty dead right now. If he wants the payday, he can go to Saudi Arabia. Or if he wants to get a payday, yes, but also start to try and invest in Inter-Miami and, and build something there. People have uh, always said that his family would fancy a retirement to Miami. Like, that would right. be the worst thing in the world. So, really interesting ahead for Leo Messi. And it feels like the PSG fans have just said, screw it, we're going to eliminate ourselves from this. We're, we're not going to worry about right. it. And then, in the same week... Kylian Mbappe is mad at PSG. So he sat down for an interview by the club media crew. Very standard stuff. Right, lobbing softballs. Yeah, PSG used that in a promo video for buy season tickets for next year. It was basically just their typical end of the year, whatever. Every club, your favorite club is doing this. Totally fine. PSG, or PSG, I guess, did not tell Mbappe because Mbappe goes on Twitter and basically says, PSG didn't tell me they were using this as a season ticket promo. This club is not Killian St. Germain, blah, 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 which is a very just wild response. You are the star of the club right. who is under contract. Who, of, by, all, by all reports, has wanted to be the star of the, like... And, oh, by the way, you're a French international right. playing for the club in Paris. Of course you're going to be the central figure in the any billboard, any season ticket renewal... Just a wild scenario, which has then once again kicked up the rumors that P- that Mbappe is just looking for things to fight PSG on to maybe force a move to Real Madrid sooner rather than later. Because some of the background stuff has been that Mbappe will stay through the world, uh, through the Olympics, excuse me, in Paris, and then head on to Real Madrid after 2024. PSG in absolute chaos. And Owen, by the way, all that's going on, they're going to need a new manager because the, they're sacking theirs at the end of the season. So. Uh, it's just really, really interesting because I, I there are a lot of big names out there. Julian Nagelsmann, Luis Enrique, Mauricio Pochettino. Poch came from PSG, right? So that's not a name right. probably that they're considering. But it's a club that the whole allure is you have to win the Champions League or nobody else cares. And the players that you would back to win the Champions League, Neymar's hurt. Mbappe wants to go to Real Madrid. Messi's out. Right. Yeah, and and that's always a tough... Like, there's this fine line, and I think uh, there are some... Like, I think, honestly, Barcelona, where La Liga was at at the time that they won it, it was good enough at the top that it kept them engaged and it kept them sharp all year for Champions League, but it was bad enough at the bottom that they could have the squad rotation they needed for Champions League. I feel like the Premier League is honestly too tough, right? I mean, you can't rotate the squad enough, and between the Premier League and two domestic cups... There are just so many matches, it's almost impossible to win in the Premier League. But I feel like in France, the league is just so bad that it's hard probably to keep a lot of those stars engaged when it is Champions League or bust. And when you do see it bust, uh, I feel like everyone just kind of checks out, right? And like, what do they have to play for? They're going to win everything there. It'd be basically like if, you know, OU is in... It's like Gonzaga back in the West Coast Conference a yeah. few years ago. You know, it's hard for them to to get jazzed up for the tournament when they've been playing bad competition all year. And that's what happens to PSG year in and year out. I think the problem is not going to be fixed by throwing money at it, although that's all a lot of people know how to do in soccer. I think the problem's not going to be fixed by a new manager or even new players. I think the problem's got to be fixed by the rest of the league getting better, truthfully. Oddly, PSG, from the competition standpoint... PSG maybe needed the Super League the most, and yet 
PSG, their their ownership has been the one that's kind of been like, ah, screw that. We're good. We, we like the current setup. So it's just kind of a weird situation of where that goes. Now, there is also some stuff going on at Chelsea since we talked last. Yes, yes, there is. Besides uh, them being down 1-0 to Wolves in the 79th minute. So time flies when you're miserable or having fun, depending on your perspective with Chelsea Football Club. We talked on Tuesday. Graham Potter is sacked, and it looks like the, the short list has been leaked. Julian Nagelsmann, who was just at Bayern, Luis Enrique, who's been out of uh, club football since Barcelona, was manager of Spain. Uh, looks like he wants a Premier League job. Mauricio Pochettino is, is someone that's involved, uh, as well as Spalletti at uh, Napoli. That was someone that's put on the list. And the assumption was, early on, that the new hierarchy, Bully Clear Lake, was going to work in the... Same manner as they did with firing Tuchel and Potter was immediately installed because Chelsea have still a Champions League quarterfinal, right? Well, it sounds like, judging off the reporting, the club hierarchy is kind of a little bit split between Nagelsmann and Enrique as far as which one they want to bring in. Regardless, Nagelsmann does not appear to want to take over a job until the summer. So Chelsea have opted instead of just saying, okay, you don't want to come in now, we'll go with Enrique. Instead of doing that, instead of trying to coax Nagelsmann, if that ends up being the guy to come in early, they've just said, okay, we're just going to have to go with a caretaker manager from right. here till the end of the year. The existing caretaker manager, Bruno Salter, who took charge of the Liverpool match, he has been a coach for like three years. He was a player that came to Brighton and then retired and joined the coaching staff under Graham Potter. He had never picked a team before up before the Liverpool match. So the question was, do you want to roll with the existing backroom staff who couldn't get it done with Potter and have that go through the Champions League? Or they found door. Is this door C? Is this door F? I don't know what door this is at this point as far as Chelsea managers go. But Frank Lampard has come in as a caretaker manager. For me, this made sense because we know Lampard's record. It's not great. So Lampard's not going to get the job permanently. You didn't want Bruno Salter going in against Carlo Ancelotti because Bruno Salter is again, picked one team. And so it's just someone that's familiar with the club. And more importantly, the atmosphere at Stanford Bridge has been toxic since Graham Potter was instilled. No matter how good or bad Chelsea are playing, no matter what the, the scoreline is, on aggregate after the first leg, the Chelsea fans are going to be behind, be behind a Frank Lampard team going against Real Madrid in a Champions League. This seemed to be the sensical fix for the board to have enough time to make what they view as the right manager decision, knowing that Frank Lampard is not an actual option to well, manage the club. It's a win-win for Lampard, too, because at least he brings back good vibes to the club, like you yeah. mentioned, and at best he brings back good vibes and some results. At the end of the year as well, and for Lampard, if he if he does only bring good vibes, it doesn't hurt his chances to get managerial opportunities elsewhere. Because all he's got to do is go in and say, "Listen, man, I was just there this, this to see out 11. the season. Yeah, this team was yeah. in eleven. If he does bring results, then it helps, you know. So like, there's not really a whole lot of downside. I don't think from either side. Which I think honestly, like. We see this all the time doing what we do, Ryan. I think there's always a faction of fans that just kind of want to be miserable. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's sometimes sometimes the when you talk about and this is a big thing in soccer that I think people have to sometimes get over and it's a little bit exhausting from fans in soccer, just like it is 
when you're a fan of a big team, you know, like an OU football or like a Kentucky basketball, you know, one of those blue blood programs, sometimes pragmatism is not what fans want to see, right? So they don't want you to be pragmatic. They don't, they don't care about what's good or bad. They want those feelings that they had at the highest moments and everything else is bad. Yeah. Right. And sometimes you have to take those baby steps. And this is one of those where is it going to blow? Is it going to blow away the fans? Is it going to blow away the competition? They're not bringing in a new Sir Alex Ferguson or Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp. They're bringing in a manager who has been kind of a failed manager at Chelsea. He's been a failed manager, but he also finished top four at Chelsea. But the whole point of it is not about results as weird as that sounds, right? The whole point of it is about getting to the end of the season bringing back the good vibes, getting a guy in there in Frank Lampard, who you know this, Ryan, Frank Lampard, when he first came in, he had a ton of youth players. He had to decide who was and wasn't good. He did a lot of rotations, which I'm sure they're going to do at the end of this season to see what they've got in that roster because they can't keep all of those guys long-term. So I I think if he knows what they expect from him and if they know what he expects from them, I think this is a win-win for both sides, truthfully. Yeah, I, I just think it becomes uh if if you saw this and were like, well, this is a disaster, I think your expectations are probably just different than what the reality of the situation is. And the reality of the situation is the club, the new ownership came into the club. They cleared out the existing hierarchy. And when that happened, Thomas Tuchel, basically, it by by all accounts, Thomas Tuchel said, this is not the club that I came to manage. I, I don't really like this setup. So the board went and they got their own guy, right? And it was a disaster. Graham Potter was awful. This next manager hire is huge. If the board screw this thing up, good luck convincing anyone to come have any faith in your vision at Chelsea, any any faith in any of that. If they get it right, then all of this money that they've sent, all of that, you can start to to develop that group and move it in the right direction. I, I think bringing Lampard in was just a means to A, placate the fans, and B, by themselves. We have a goal, Matt. Goal! Goal! He is Tottenham's all-time leading scorer. He is England's all-time leading scorer. And he has put Spurs in front. Sir Harry of Kane with an absolute banger. What a goal. It was, Tottenham scored two really good it goals It was a today. beautiful hit. It was great link-up play from Son did you see the? Did you see the penalty that wasn't given on the other end? For, for Brighton? Brighton? Yes. yes. And I thought that was a penalty. I don't know about you. I did as well. I did as well. But none of that is going to matter because Spurs, and for me, I think Spurs are been the better team. Sure. Just a, a couple of moments where they kind of forgot how to defend in the box. Uh, but Spurs are now no, up front. No, not Spurs. I know. <laughs> stunning. Stunning. Spurs up 2-1 with 10 minutes left in that one before added time. One last bit on the managerial news before we kind of look ahead to the rest of the weekend and some other storylines. Jesse Marsh has been rumored to be in talks with Lester. Don't think that anything is imminent. This feels very much like a, hey, Lester kicked the tires on if Graham Potter wanted to come in. Graham Potter said, I would like to wait until the summer. So now I think Lester, very similar to Chelsea, are undergoing just an early vetting process for some of their uh, targets. It'll be interesting. Obviously, 
if they stay up is going to be a huge, huge question. I think a lot of these managers who have Premier League experience are going to say, actually, I'm going to wait till the end of the end of the season because I don't want to have eight games to keep you up, and then magically I'm managing a championship club if that's not right. my market. Right. So it'll be interesting, though, to see. Jesse Marsh continues to uh, get some looks. Southampton, he was kind of you know in the mix for that as well as this Leicester job. I think that's good news for American managers especially Jesse Marsh, that it wasn't a he went into Leeds and then was just not considered again. I think there's a little bit of a recognition that uh, things weren't great at Leeds, but it maybe not was 100% his fault. Well, that's obviously because Ted Lasso season three has been so good. That's why American managers are getting more chances. Correct. (laughs) That that is absolutely correct. If he can get Zava, you can do anything. Also, one just quick Ted Lasso sidebar. All of the think pieces about why Ted Lasso is not the same hit in the UK as is in the US are idiotic. <laughs> Ted Lasso is an American show made for Americans that kind of parodies soccer. I wonder why Premier League fans in England aren't right, going to be stoked right. by being like, oh, the American comes in, oh, da, 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 all that stuff. Uh, no, duh. It's an American show. Anyway. Anyway. All right, Todd. We've got 15 minutes left. We need to take one more quick break on the other side. This time slot of games is going to wrap up, and it looks like there are a bunch of teams just throwing numbers forward and going for it. Also, we don't know who's going to be relegated yet, but we know one of the teams is going to be promoted. We can talk about that as well. That as well as the Sunday slate plus uh, anything going on in the midweek. We will take a look ahead next here on The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. You're listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. About 10 minutes left here of The Soccer Show. Brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic here on 1077 The Franchise. Ryan Chapman alongside Todd Lizenby, Maddie Goldfish on the other side, doing the Lord's work with us this Saturday morning, as he always does. We love us some goldfish. Most of When you were a kid, did you eat goldfish? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think those were a little... I, maybe I don't know if those were a thing where I was when I was a kid or not. I don't remember them though. The, it, not. I don't like, think they were because I don't remember eating them until I was like twelve older, yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah. You're probably about like five Ryan. or six years not, older than me. Not always my favorite. I was more of a cheese it or like just straight up animal crackers. But we've got. I went with the Planters cheese balls. Do you remember those? Oh, the yeah. originals. You yeah, know what the OG chip was? Was those pizzeria chips? The Elf. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are good too. Those were fantastic. Welcome back to the soccer show. <laughs> Ninety snacks. Hey, we're Damn. not talking about chips, goldfish. They're we're, crisps. We're not talking about scran here They're today. Crisps. We're not yeah. talking about scran. <laughs> uh, these matches are about to wrap up. We'll have those finals for you momentarily. As most of these games are into injury time, except for Tottenham and Brighton. That one's in the 88th minute. I did mention it before the break. We know one of the teams that will be up next year, Burnley, secure uh, promotion with a win on, I believe that was yesterday that they won and secured promotion. Vincent Company. Vincent Company's Burnley. So the Manchester City legend is likely going to win the championship with Burnley. They haven't secured the championship yet, but remember the top two get automatic promotion. They've already secured that. So Burnley are going to be back in the prim and playing a completely different style than we saw Back in the day under Sean Dyche. Yeah, I've said this a couple of God, times. Yeah, they showed, they're showing that Wolves goal again, and it was amazing. It, it, <laughs> was, it was a peach. It was an absolute peach. 
I've said this a bunch. Turf Moor sounds like the last outpost before you get to the wall in Game of Thrones. And Turf Moor should not be a home ground that hosts a team that plays expansive, pretty uh, football. But that's what Vincent Company has done. So uh, he, it'll be interesting, though. We saw it on a one-game sample, just a one-game sample. Company try to play that style against City. Sure. And they got absolutely battered. So sure. it'll be really interesting to see, A, with the increased budget that comes with being back in the Premier League, B, having 36 games that are not against a side like Manchester City, things like that, what Vincent Company and that Burnley team do. It will be a ton of fun. Before we look ahead, we do have a question on Twitch, I believe, Matt. Uh, yes, this is from Plumber Monk. As a Tottenham fan, is there any hope for a quality manager as long as Levy is there? I think yes. I, Mauricio Pochettino is a quality manager. Antonio Conte, when, he's won at every stop except for one. So is that on Conte or is that on Tottenham? I think a little bit of both. But, I mean, quality managers have come in. The, the issue is always just going to be um, when... Like, are they ever going to attract, like, a pep or a Jurgen Klopp? Probably not. Well, because they're never going to have the players to attract yeah. those guys. And and now, here I think is going to be the issue this summer is the squad should be attractive. Tottenham did open up the pocketbook and bring in, like, quality players like Ricarlson, things like that, that just Antonio Conte didn't use, right? So, like, there there is squad depth that is there that would be attractive, but... If you're Julian Nagelsmann, if you're Luis Enrique, if you're I'm just you know naming the the top guys that are available right now. If there's another conversation this summer about Harry Kane not being happy at Tottenham and and there are the rumors in the background it was Manchester City before City got Holland, uh, Real Madrid has floated around in the background. Manchester United's now the Premier League club that's very popular, uh, being linked with maybe making a move for Harry Kane. If Kane leaves, I. You're not going to get one of those top guys probably, right? Because then that that's another year or two to try and replace that. Like, Son is awesome. Rickarlson, I love Rickarlson. I think he's great. But Harry Kane is another class. And to replace that, that's just not something that can instantly happen. No, and I'd be lying if I said I knew enough about Tottenham's youth program to know, like, what even they have. You know, if they have a big-name player in the youth program like Man City had with Phil Foden a few years ago or somebody like that. Um I I think the bigger issue, and we saw it from Conte, like he flat out said it, you got to give me more to work with than this. And they, they just continue to not want to spend at the level that you have to spend in the Premier League. And if you're not going to spend at that level, you've either got to A, be extremely lucky, or B, have some youth players come up and hit on them. And Tottenham haven't been able to do either one of those. The other really interesting thing, and I think this has been the fascinating psychology of Spurs for me, has been that under Pochettino, they played a really expansive style, and they were very patient with Poch, and Poch was what we would consider now like a project manager, right? Uh, Poch was what... Uh, no! woo! Little insurance. No! Villa have banged in a second. They switched to the bonus coverage just in time. Yeah, yeah. bonus coverage. Villa have banged in a second. They were already up 1-0 on Forest. So all this did was confirm that Aston Villa have uh, taken out Nottingham Forest. Good scenes there. 
uh, at Villa Park. But but back to Spurs, like Pochettino was a project manager who brought a team through and kind of developed that style. And then since then, what are some of the names that Tottenham has appointed? Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho has never stayed anywhere for any long period right. of time. And he also is the, like, football antithesis of what Tottenham were under Poch, right? He's going to be very pragmatic. If he has the squad, he'll score a ton of goals. You saw that in the first in at Chelsea. You saw that at Real Madrid. Haven't seen that a ton since then. They went on the disastrous manager search that was turned down by everybody where it looked like they wanted Conte. There were some disagreements with Bruno. That was a disaster. Ended up bringing in Conte. What has Conte also done? Done two seasons at every club and then got into big clashes with the board, all that stuff. It's just been really weird that Tottenham have gone from, they were like the the image of stability and this is what happens if you stick with a manager and stick with the core and let them grow, 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 grow together and suddenly they're in a Champions League final, right? That was Tottenham and then just the next couple of years have been mercenary managers that don't really play expansive football and are known to clash with the board. And if there's any board of the big six that's, that's going to have clashes, it's Tottenham, who's who's pretty much the least willing to spend money. Liverpool had been in that spot a little bit, but under Klopp, they really backed him, and you saw the results. I think there is hope. You just, it's just got to be a different... It's got to be someone that's signing up for a project. Well, I think with Tottenham, what we're seeing is, is also a byproduct too, Ryan, of like now the... We talked about this a lot earlier in the year. The group of clubs that were legit top four contenders was always about six. And now you throw Newcastle into that group as well with the money that they have. You know, uh, you throw Arsenal, who are back and better than they've been in recent years, obviously. You know, back is a much tougher team to overcome if you're going to get into top four. Man United look like they've settled after some down years with Ten Hag. And I think for Tottenham and for Chelsea right now, their fans are looking up and going, okay, we don't have one or two rungs of the ladder to climb anymore to be back in Champions League competition. We may have two or three here in a few years. So um, to to climb that rung, like no manager is going to do that for you. You've got to go get some players. Yeah. yeah and I think sure. that's always the issue for me with Tottenham. And I, I too, the, the final little point on Spurs, it feels like they kind of caved to the pressure of – Everyone always, when you mention Tottenham, if you're not a Spurs fan, it is you don't win anything. And it feels like they went out and tried to get two serial winners that kind of fly in the face of the style that Potch had built just to win a trophy to show Harry Kane that you can win trophies here at Spurs with Jose and Conte. And in the end, I think what's happened is they haven't won. And now the the style hasn't been there, and Harry Kane's going. I've only got a few years left in my prime. I got to get somewhere. Right. If if he leaves, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays. Where do you out. think he would go if he went somewhere? United. I, it would have to be United or Madrid. Like, there's just not a lot of right. financial might. Uh, City's got Holland. Liverpool doesn't seem to be interested. In it is amazing. It is amazing. You know, City were in for Kane a couple years ago. Had they gotten him, how much the butterfly effect would have changed things in the league. I know. Would I Holland know. have ended up somewhere else? I think Holland might have just gone to Madrid. Right, right. Holland might have gone to Madrid. So it'll be fascinating. All right, it'll we got finals sure. in every match but one so far. Aston Villa defeat Nottingham Forest 2-0. It was Brentford 1, Newcastle 2. So Brent or Newcastle, excuse me, get a road win there. Uh, Leicester 0, Bournemouth 1. Fulham 0, West Ham 1. And Wolves defeat Chelsea 1-0. One match still underway in the dying, waning moments. It's Tottenham 2, Brighton 1. Brighton look like they may be coming for one last attack here before the final whistle. 
as the interesting thing, Ryan, is now, I mean, how much can a win help you in that tight uh, relegation battle? Well, here's your answer. Right now, live table, Wolves are 12th and West Ham are 13th. <laughs> right? I right. Mean, That's just Wolves are 12th, West Ham are 13th, uh, Crystal Palace 14th, Bournemouth move up to 15th after a win today. So they're out of the relegation zone. And now you have Leeds at 16, Everton at eight at 17, and then 18, 19, 20 is uh, oh, the thing just went away on me. It's Leicester. No, it's Nottingham Forest 18, Leicester 19, and Southampton 20. There was some team news also. Erling Holland is back for Man City for their match coming up at 11:30 against Southampton. Should be a comprehensive win. I think the things to watch for Ryan uh, City take care of business today. It puts as much pressure pressure on Arsenal in a big spot at a big place as we've seen them have in a while. And to their credit, as we said, they've always stepped up and they've always managed that pressure tomorrow at Anfield. Anfield's always a tough test, right? It's a yeah. tough place to go play for a young squad. Can they get it done there? If Arsenal get it done tomorrow, especially if they get three points tomorrow, I think the title race is done. Yeah. It's, it'll be dire, dire scenes for city. And when you look at that tomorrow, last two trips out for Liverpool, got absolutely throttled by Manchester City, and they were played off the park by Chelsea on Tuesday. Chelsea just can't score goals. Right. It was nil-nil, but if you look at the expected goals, if you just watched it, like there was only one side that was going to score in that one, and we know that Chelsea just can't score. I will say this, though. Liverpool, the way that they play, Arsenal play as close to Man City as probably anyone in the league, and Liverpool have always given City problems with the way that they press. If you make one mistake, Liverpool pounce on it, and that's... Something to keep an eye on tomorrow. City have not been able to conquer Anfield. Like, they can't go there and get wins, it seems like, ever. So, uh, it'll be tough for Arsenal to go in there and get three points. I think one point would be huge for Arsenal. Three would be massive. Yeah, we will recap that on the midweek pod, which you can find if you just search The Soccer Show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And do us a favor if you could. If you like that, subscribe, follow, whatever the, the terminology is. Give it a rating. Share it with a friend as well. We really love doing this, and uh, there's nothing more rewarding than knowing that you're enjoying things so much to, to share it with a friend really helps the show grow. We'll have recap of whatever City do later today as well as that Arsenal-Liverpool game in the midweek. We will preview the Champions League that will be back in the quarters. But as far as this show, the soccer show, we will see you next Saturday Goldfish, what do we got coming up on the franchise today? Uh, we have VSIN for a little bit, and then we have uh, women's softball. Uh, Sooners looking to sweep Texas afternoon, Tech. and then uh, I think that's it. Uh, OU baseball, I do believe, is on KO. over on KOKC yes, tonight. Yes, uh, sir. Today, yes, sir. so there's a bunch of Sooner sports here on local radio. Yeah, baseball looking to win the series against Baylor. Softball looking to sweep Texas Tech. So big day for the Diamond Sports here in state. You heard the man. 1077 The Franchise is the place to be all day long, but that'll do it for us. For Todd Lizaby, for Matt Goldbranson, I'm Ryan Chapman. This has been The Soccer Show on 1077 The Franchise, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. Until we speak next week, hope your club got a win today, and I hope that everyone can point and laugh at your rivals just as we all point and laugh at Chelsea. We'll talk to you next week.